Hello, and welcome to Pass the Hot Sauce, a Roswell podcast. I'm Lisa Abigail. I'm Lorena Rose. And I'm Aliza Ora. On today's mini-sode, we are going to be talking about um, relationships between aliens and humans in some of our other favorite TV shows. Uh, We thought this would be a fun thing to do since Valentine's Day is this week. So we'll be talking about some of the greatest love stories of intergalactic proportions today. So, friends, before we start talking about our favorite love stories today, um, we want to give you a general blanket spoiler warning. We are talking about love stories in um, three different TV shows, so whenever we start talking about it, just be aware there are going to be spoilers. So we will be talking about the TV shows Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, Defiance, and Doctor Who. So if you haven't seen those shows and you don't want spoilers about the love stories included within them, please watch those shows first or know that you may be spoiled. And in the show notes, we can put timestamps for when we start talking about each show so that if you just want to skip over one that you think you might watch in the future, you can do that, but still listen to the rest of our conversation. So who wants to go first? I'll go first. Um... I chose to talk about my other favorite alien show, Defiance. Um, So I want to talk about a couple from that show named Alec Tarr and Christy McCauley. Um, So the show is about um, what once was St. Louis, which is now basically a town of humans and aliens trying to live together. Um, so it is after a big spaceship has landed on Earth, bringing seven alien species, um, that are from different planets, but all from the same star system. Okay. Um, so they all come together, the Votanis star system. Um, so all together, the aliens are called Votans. Um, the one alien race I'm going to focus on today is called Castathin. Um, So Alec Tarr is the son of these prominent, uh, a prominent Castathan family in Defiance, which is the name of the town. Um, And he falls in love with Christy McCauley, who is the daughter of one of the prominent humans in the town. Um, Rafe McCauley and Daytek Tarr, their fathers, are uh, each other's nemeses, basically. They they are rivals. So it kind of ends up being like a Romeo and Juliet type of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, first, they have to like hide their flirtation um, and love. And, um, and then it becomes public knowledge, but is not... Um, well regarded by their families. Um, so Christie's Christie's dad doesn't like it, but really just wants her to be happy. Whereas um, Alex's family is a little different. So like I said, they are Castathins, which is um, a type of Votan. And part of why I love this show so much is the world building um, and how of these seven alien races, there really are different characteristics and traditions and languages that they each have. Mm-hmm. So um, Castathans are kind of the aristocrats. Um, 
they it took everything I had not to say Aristocats. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they claim to be um, the the quote unquote highest of the Votan races. They are known for their pale skin and pale hair. Right, so their skin is very white. Their hair is very white. Um, they are they're humanoid. So other than just being very white they look like humans and they are very proud they dominate people in social situations they're known for their like charisma and uh their intelligence their ambition so when Daytak and Stama Alex's parents first find out about uh the relationship between Christy and, and Alec they are very unhappy and um really are worse than Christie's dad about it, um, you know, forbid him to see her. And it doesn't really stop them because Christie and Rafe end up eloping, Ooh. getting married, and um, which I guess is redundant because that's what eloping means. <laughs> but um, they get married, which then means that Christie has to kind of learn to adopt some of the Castathan traditions, one of which is... Um, their ritual baths that they take as a family. No, thank you. Yeah. So um, it's very weird and talked about how it's weird in the show. Like the humans find it very weird, um, which is offensive because it's, you know, a casty a casty tradition. And, and uh, it's weird for Christy when she then has to sit in a bath with her husband and parents-in-law. Oh, something else that I remembered about Castathins, which I think is interesting. Casti is often like the shorthand for it. They're known for also really rigid social structure and to adhering to a caste system, mm. which they call Lero. So their Lero is their caste. Um, but I think it's probably not a coincidence that they are called Castathins. And it's a beautiful and tragic love story between the two of them. And they end up having a son together that Aww. they name after a deceased member of Christie's family. And Alex's mom, Stama, really ends up kind of being on their side, especially once her grandson is born. Aw, so semi-happy-ish ending. Well, no. <laughs> no, <I'm>... other things happen. <laughs> other things happen. Uh, I don't know how much I should spoil... I want you guys to watch this show someday, so. <laughs> cool. Um, I can go second. Um, so I am going to be talking about um, Superman slash Clark Kent and Lois Lane, but uh, more specifically in the TV show Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, which was on from September 12th, hey, my birthday, 1993, Ooh. until June 14th, 1997. So I do not claim to be a big comic book expert in general, um, but I did look up some fun facts about Superman, but I loved this TV show when I was a kid. This was probably my first, like, TV obsession. Like, the show that I, like, made sure I taped on a VCR if I wasn't going to be home. It started on my 11th birthday, so just that right preteen age to get super obsessed with some sexual tension on TV, not knowing that's what it was yet. But 
Anyway, so a little background on Superman and Lois Lane first. Um, They are the first romance in the DC universe. Um, And Superman slash Clark Kent and Lois Lane first appeared in Action Comics number one in June 1938. Um, It was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Um, and they are said to have been inspired by the silent film actor Douglas Fairbanks for their portrayal of Superman. And um, the series in general, or the storyline of Superman in general, was inspired by Edgar Rice Burroughs' John Carter of Mars stories. So that's where they are said to have drawn inspiration from for it. And right from the very beginning, Lois Lane was a love interest of Superman and Clark Kent. Lorena, I think, yes. and maybe you can tell me, um, I think that the creators of Superman were both Jewish, or at least one of them was Jewish. So I have always thought of Superman as the Jewish superhero. Yes. Well, of course. <laughs> um, I don't know if they were both Jewish, but you would probably, I believe you if you believe that is true, because you are usually super well informed. I'll find out and <laughs> put it in the show notes. Cool. Um, but uh, so Superman originally started, as I said, in 1938. As early as 1942, um, they started bringing in uh, Lois, suspecting that Superman and Clark Kent were the same person. Mm. Um but they did not get married in the comic book universe until 1978. Wow. Which actually ended up being part of like a spin-off alternate universe. Um, so in like the main universe of Superman, they did not get married until December of 1996, which actually coincided. This I thought was a really cool fact. So in Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, when they got married on the TV show, um, that coincided with when the comic book Superman the Wedding Album was released in December of 1996. So the TV series lined up with the comic book series at that time. Um, And then also the Lois and Clark... TV series was specifically based on a six-part series called The Man of Steel that was released in 1986 by John Byrne. So um, that's a little background um, onto the fun stuff, the TV show that I watched when I was a kid, which uh, was starring Dean Cain as Clark Kent slash Superman and Terry Hatcher as Lois Lane. And um, I remember just loving this TV show. And I watched it again in adulthood a few years ago, but just reading about it to prepare for this, like, reminded me why I loved this show and, like, made me want to sit down and start watching it again. But um, obviously, Clark Kent shows up in town. He gets a job at the Daily Planet. He is sort of like a nemesis to Lois Lane at first because she's a star reporter and he's like the new kid in town and they get paired together and she doesn't want anything to do with him but very quickly falls in love with Superman when he rescues her in, of course, the pilot episode and Lois Lane is the one who coins the term Superman for a newspaper article. But over the course of their four seasons, they, of course, have... Um, a lot of will they, won't they, a lot of forbidden love and finally fall for each other. And as I said, get married 
And the series actually ended really abruptly. It was originally slated to be renewed for a fifth season. And um, so they'd already shot the season finale. And then the series got canceled unexpectedly. So um, we were left completely unresolved in their relatively newly married still. And um, all of a sudden, a baby appears on their apartment balcony with a note saying, um, this child belongs to you. And everyone expected that we would come back the following season and we would learn about this child that has now come into their lives. And that never happened. So Uh. we were left completely unresolved in the TV series. (laughs) What a cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. But of course, you know, in the story, there's all sorts of things that try and tear apart their love. Lois gets replaced with a clone that eats frogs. As you do. And... You know, yeah, she gets kidnapped and replaced with a clone as people try and break up their love. And, you know, all sorts of terrible things happen to both of them. Kal-El, Superman, Clark Kent gets called back to his home planet because they need a new ruler and he is slated to be the next ruler. And so he wants to go help his people and he goes back. But then, of course, he can't live without Lois. So he comes back to Earth to be with her. It's, you know, love story of epic proportions. Since you mentioned Superman's name, I want to circle back to my he's Jewish theory. Kol El in Hebrew would, Eliza can confirm, roughly be the voice of God. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ooh, that's cool. That's exactly what it is. Yes. So. Jewish, Jewish, Yeah, definitely Jewish. 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 Yeah, definitely Jewish. Jewish superhero. Jewish superhero. I didn't know about any of this, and I'm very excited. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cool. I'm sure I was told this at one point in Hebrew school. (laughs) Because these are the things that are important to learn in Hebrew school. Yeah. I went to Hebrew school for many, many years. Yeah. Literally everything was talked about because they run out of biblical things to tell you. (laughs) So they tell you about Superman instead. Yeah. We watched South Park at my Hebrew school. So, you know, anything goes. Uh, We watched The Jazz Singer probably five times. It's a Jewish movie. All right. Uh, Lisa, do you want to tell us about your love story for today? Sure. I am going to keep this brief because I am rapidly losing my voice. I am going to talk about the adventures of River Song and her relationship with the Doctor from the television show Doctor Who, which has been on in some form for, I believe, 8,000 years. Yep. Um, But in its (laughs) modern era, has been on since 2005. River Song first appeared in 2008, and I first of all want to acknowledge for all the Doctor Who fans out there, she is not fully human. She was conceived on the TARDIS, and then some stuff was done to her DNA. It's too long to get into. So she has some Time Lord properties, like she can regenerate, but because her parents are human, I still consider her human, and so this is a human-alien relationship. If you want to argue that, please feel free to at us on social media and we can get into it. Um, But I really love this character. She's portrayed by Alex Kingston, who has said that she thinks River Song is like a female Indiana Jones because she's a time-traveling archaeologist. And as she says, that those roles don't come around a lot for any actress, but particularly one, she says, her age. So when she started playing this role, she was in her 40s. She's now in her 50s. Um, and the most recent appearance of River Song was in 2015. So really cool to see, like, 
an not older, but like older than the average woman you see on TV playing Mm -hmm. basically an action hero and a really smart, confident, awesome lady who is involved with like one of the most mysterious creatures uh, on earth and it, or anywhere and is just like just rolls with it and is like yep this is life and I'm gonna have all these adventures and it's gonna be awesome and I know Eliza is a big fan of this actress Alex Kingston from her stint on ER yes I am I love Dr. Corday so always good to see her in a role as a professional lady in addition to being just like an all-around awesome person she is a professor of archaeology so she's like she's legit she's smart she's capable she can do whatever and i really like this story uh because of the way that it unfolds uh and one could argue she is also a doctor if she's a professor of archaeology she probably has a doctorate yeah that's a great point i can't recall if they address that in the show fans let us know I'll look it up and put it in the show notes, too. But let us know on social media anyway. So I think one of the most interesting things about their story is just the way that it unfolds. Because as we are watching Doctor Who, we are, of course, in the Doctor's point of view. So we're following him through the timeline. But because River Song is also a time traveler, their timelines don't always quite match up. So the very first time he meets her is the day that she dies. And Mm. so he goes into their relationship as she realizes in her last moments, knowing all along that this is going to be how things end. And it's so heartbreaking. Um, Mm. But it's so good the way that the story unfolds where you see things, like I said, from the doctor's perspective, but like keeping in mind that he knows what's going to happen with River and that they are, like, whenever they meet, they have different levels of knowledge about each other and about their relationships and the things that they've done. They have a little agreement that they don't, they like, if someone starts to say something that hasn't happened yet, the other one goes, oh, spoilers. And it's very <laughs> cute. They, ha- there's, oh, there's so much drama. Like, so the doctor is traveling for a long time with Amy and Rory, who are his two companions, who are a couple who end up being married. And it eventually uh, is revealed that River Song is actually their daughter. So you have all this drama of like an adult character who these characters have interacted with and have known as a peer who then find out they're her parents. And Amy has a fantastic moment where she realizes that that makes her the doctor's (laughs) mother-in-law. It's very cute. Um, But River goes through all of these changes and she goes through all of these things. She has her own things going on, too. So even when she's not with the doctor, like she's doing cool stuff independently. She has her own life. She also has a number of spouses throughout the years, both male and female. She is canonically bisexual. And in 2015, they kind of wrapped up her story uh, with something that they had foreshadowed where she and the doctor have their last night together but fortunately it happens to be on a world where nights last for 24 years so they get a good long time together uh to constantly be turning corners and greeting each other with hello sweetie yeah it's very nice but also really sad but very nice but very sad but very nice i totally forgot 
that whole thing about Amy and Rory being her parents until you Well, said it's it. crazy. So she I totally forgot. Yeah, so she's their daughter, but she also in a previous regeneration was their childhood best friend who helped bring them together as a couple. There's a lot of layers. Yeah. It gets weird. I mean, time travel <laughs> does that. Yeah. Yeah, cuz time travel in 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 general like really creates a lot of layers and alternate universes and whatever. Right. I also appreciate that the episode where we find out that she was their childhood best friend is one in which that character Mel's finally says the thing that like everyone thinks whenever you have a time travel story, she's like, "We have a time machine. Let's go kill Hitler." Like, yeah. <laughs> great point. Okay. They don't succeed, unfortunately. But, you know. Sadly. Good for them for making an effort. So yeah, that's my uh, I Love River song, who, you know, tries to murder Hitler. What's not to love? I know. She's the best. And she has such great hair. She does have great hair. Thank you for joining us this week for our discussion of Aliens and Humans in Love. For our next mini-sode, we will be discussing the 2001 movie Evolution, which was directed by Ivan Reitman. Next Tuesday, though, we will be discussing Roswell Season 1, Episode 14, Blind Date. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on wherever you are listening to it. For more information, including our show notes, you can visit us at roswellhotsauce.com. And please give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Roswell Hot Sauce. You can always send us an email at roswellhotsauce at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or if you have an idea for us for an upcoming mini-sode. Until next time, go kiss some aliens. Ooh. <laughs>